us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in his way, in this way, dear friends. Let us pray. Mighty God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this morning time. We pray, Lord, that you would be with us, Lord, as we sit here in your presence uh, to listen to your word, Lord. We pray that, uh, that, uh, that you would be with George Shine as he expounds from your word, Lord, as that you would give him thoughts that will be beneficial to everyone who is over here, who is listening, so that each of us, Lord, might be able to glean from this and might be able to, Lord, lead edified lives in the coming days, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would be with us, that each of us might be able to sit here with attentive hearts, Lord. We thank you and we submit these matters in and through the most precious name for Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Bivin. Follow John's instructions here. All right. Is that good, John? It's good to be back. I've, uh, somebody reminded me today that I've, I've been missing for the last two Sundays, so it looks, it's good that somebody's keeping track. Uh, uh, but uh, I should have been here last week, but I wasn't very well. But uh, thanks to Dr. Daniel, well, she's not there, but thanks to her treatment, I got well in a hurry. So, uh, so Ben, please don't move. Uh, it's good to have a doctor in the building, <laughs> especially one who has uh, very low charges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm in very low. <laughs> now it was it was good good to be back. Uh, it's always uh, always miss miss all of you when I'm when I'm away. But um, I try to minimize it. Uh, but you know uh, that's how it is. So we are back in the book of Philippians, and uh, you know I I covered some of this uh, last time, but I thought I'd sort of do a little bit more of a, a detailed recap. But we are um, in. Uh, in chapter 3 and heading towards chapter 4, which is the last chapter. So, as we've said many times, uh, as we've gone through the study, uh, you know, the book of Philippians is one of Paul's uh, prison epistles. He's actually in, uh, in jail and, um, you know, imprisoned uh, in, a, in a Roman prison. He's under house arrest. Uh, and uh, this is something that we need to keep in mind as we go through this and put it into the context of, to understand uh, the point that Paul is trying to drive, uh, and this church, the Philippian church, was one that was very, very dear uh, to Paul. In in this, uh, you know, in this uh, passage, we read the verse chapter four and verse one. It's he. Uh, we just see how he addresses the believers. He says, "Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy." And crown, stand fast in the Lord, beloved. We see uh, every time that Paul addresses them, we see how much love he had for them, how much care, how much concern, 
because they were his children in the faith. This was a church that he established on one of his missionary journeys. He had spent a lot of time there ministering to them, uh, you know, to, to minister to them, to, to, to have them grow spiritually. And now as he looks at some of the challenges and issues that they were having in their church life, he is writing to them uh, out of his abundant love and his care and his concern for their spiritual growth. And that is sort of the what underpins this entire uh, letter. Not only that, the church was going through some amount of suffering and pain, and that's why Paul always goes back to his situation where he is suffering, he is facing a situation where he doesn't know if he'll come out of it alive, or he's going to die, or his days are numbered, or, or the Lord is going to spare him for a, for a, for a, a longer season. Uh, and he goes back to that to remind them of the condition he is in. And in so doing, he encourages them and repeatedly asks them to rejoice. He says, rejoice in the Lord. And we'll see that he closes it out in chapter 4 later uh, as well. He says, rejoice in, in, in everything, give thanks and rejoice in the Lord. So, uh, so we see here that in this passage, uh, you know, when we go through it, we see in chapter 1, uh, just to do a very quick recap, Paul starts off thanking God for the believers in Philippi, he prays for them, he prays that they, uh, that, that God, verse 6, chapter 1, uh, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will, uh, will um, uh, good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he pray, prays for the completion of the work of sanctification that has started in them. And then he goes on to talk about his own condition. So we see here throughout this epistle, Paul sort of shifts between talking about them and then coming back to himself and then talking about them and coming back to himself. Uh, and he repeatedly uses himself as an example. So the purpose of this, this epistle is to, is to give them an example of how they ought to live. Give them an example or, or examples rather of how uh, they should uh, be united, uh, how they should be humble how they should walk worthy of the calling with which uh, they have been called. So in the latter part of chapter 1, he looks back at himself and he says, he looks into his suffering and all that he's going through and he says, you know, thank God that even though I am in chains, I thank God because because of my chains, the gospel is going out into the, um, you know, in, into the, the, the palace guard. And then he goes into this beautiful passage in um, chapter 1 verse 19 where he's speaking about the tension and the, uh, that he is going through in his own life as he faces death, potential death, and he doesn't know whether he's going to live or whether he's going to die, and he, he very eloquently presents to us this battle that is going on in his mind about whether he should die or whether he should, he should live on for their sake. And even, you know, he talks about how that to, to die is far better. He says, I am hard-pressed, verse 23 of chapter 1, I am hard-pressed between the two having a desire to depart and be with Christ, he said, which is far better. So he says, it's far better for me to leave, to die, to be in the presence of my Lord, because that's what happens to the believer when he dies. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. So if he was going to live on, it wasn't for himself, it wasn't because he loved his life so much that he wanted another day or a week or a year or, uh, or a few years in this world, but it's because by him staying on, by him living on, that would benefit the uh, the, the believers there in Philippi and believers all over uh, that region so that he could minister to them and help them to grow spiritually. And then he goes back to, to talking about them 
and he talks about this matter of uh, in chapter 1 and verse um, verse uh, 27 he says stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel so he goes into this this topic of unity of the unity of the brethren of the humility of them and and he presents this wonderful picture again he's presenting examples he's given himself as an example now he presents the ultimate example which is the lord jesus christ in chapter 2 he has a beautiful passage which talks about let this mind be in you which was in christ jesus who did not consider uh, robbery with to uh, robbery to be equal with god but made himself of no reputation and that's all set in the context of calling on them to not do anything out of selfish ambition or conceit but in lowliness of mind let each of you look out not only for his own interests but also for the interests of others and then he talks about how they should be they should work out their own salvation so again he's talking about them after giving this example of christ he goes back to talking about them and he says you need to work out you need to do your part as we learned from camp last year for it is god who works in you verse 13 of chapter 2 uh, both to will and to do for his good pleasure and do all things without complaining and he gives them these instructions and then he presents some more examples he presents epaphroditus and he presents timothy as examples commends their example and presents them as examples of people that they should emulate and with all that he comes to chapter 3 and he's coming to his final instructions and he starts off chapter 3 with finally my brethren rejoice in the lord for me to write the same things to you is not tedious but for you it is safe so we see that this is something that paul has been reminding them perhaps many times on his visits when he spent a year with them but he says it's okay i want to keep reminding you because this is all important and he's speaking here in this passage if you look at the whole of chapter 3 he's speaking about um about the christian life and the the basic thesis that he presents is that the christian life is meant to be different it is meant to be different and he contrasts it with a uh, uh, life that is not uh, the life of a believer you can think of it as the redeemed life and the unredeemed life and and that's why i titled the message today living the life of the redeemed what does the life of the redeemed look like what should it look like and he contrasts that with the the worldly life and 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 underlying this whole passage is the is the implication that there were many believers there who were not living the life uh, of uh, you know that that would be appropriate for a believer and he closes out this section uh, in chapter 3 with this verse that we are all very familiar with if we can turn to it chapter 3 uh, and verse 20 for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the savior the lord jesus christ so he brings into this uh, into it the concept of the citizenship of the believers our citizenship is in heaven and we ought to live as citizens of heaven and there are four things that he presents here uh, we are going to really look at the the last three because i did look at the other one but we'll touch on 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 all four first let me just go over these with you these four things so paul presents the christian life as being one where we are really striving to know Christ so the first point he makes is that the unredeemed flesh that is those who are not saved okay sometimes those who are saved do this as well but he's presenting it as a contrast those who are not saved in verses um, uh, chapter 3 verse 1 through 6 we see this that he says that uh, the unredeemed flesh or the unredeemed life glories in the flesh that is they glory in human accomplishment in human lineage 
in the things you know that that are important to the world our our learning our expertise our uh, riches our heritage our genealogy these are the things that they glory in but the redeemed those who are children of 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 god followers of the lord jesus christ uh, do not put confidence in the flesh in these fleshly things in these worldly things they don't measure their success their standard their standing by the things that the world uses by the money the influence the wealth the uh, education and all of these kind of things but rather uh, they rejoice in our sta- in their standing in the lord jesus christ that what is important to us is not what we are in the world not who we are in the world but rather that we are redeemed children of god and our standing our worth our status our uh, everything about us needs to be driven by this one thing of who we are in christ that should be the most important thing and you think about you know all of us have maybe some uh, accomplishments in our life and very often we take glory in that you know i am a doctor you know you want to be introduced as a doctor nothing wrong with that if you are a doctor but but we take pride when we think about what do we really take pride in it is in those kind of things isn't it and the apostle paul is making the point and he points to himself again as an example here i mentioned he goes in and out you know he looks at them he comes back to himself then he looks at them he presents christ goes back to them comes back to himself he says look at me and who i am right i am um, chapter 3 he says that uh, uh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh verse 4 and 5 i more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of israel of the tribe of benjamin a hebrew of the hebrews concerning the law of pharisee concerning zeal persecuting the church concerning the righteousness which is in the law blameless he says these are all the things that i could glory in you know if you think that you have some great accomplishments listen to mine they are far greater than yours but he says in verse 7 so the second thing is that uh, the unredeemed sorry the redeemed counts the fleshly or worldly glories as loss for the sake of knowing christ for the sake of knowing christ those things which were gained to me these things i have counted loss for christ we'll look at this a little more so not only does the unredeemed glory in the flesh and human accomplishments but the redeemed puts confidence only in their standing in christ number 1 number 2 the redeemed the followers of christ count fleshly or worldly glories as loss for the sake of knowing christ and he talks about what it means to know christ and to know christ means to partake in his suffering it means to partake in 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 his life in in his righteousness we'll talk about that later thirdly uh in verses uh, 12 through 16 he talks about that the redeemed have knowing christ as a clear goal and they press on towards it that those who are believers ought to be continuing on in this journey of getting to know christ intimately and that's what it's all about it's about the christian life is about increasing the intimacy of our knowledge of the lord jesus christ the intimacy of our relationship with the lord jesus christ so we don't ever arrive we don't ever reach the destination we are never done in this life we will only be done in that process in the life to come but in this life we keep pressing on number 3 and number 4 the unredeemed have their mind on earthly things but the redeemed understand that they are citizens of heaven and their life reflects this the unredeemed have their mind on earthly things they are rooted in the world but the redeemed understand that they are citizens of heaven and as we go through this i want us to think about where we stand where do we stand in terms of knowing christ where do we stand in terms of glorying in the flesh where do we stand in terms of uh, uh, 
pressing on in this in this in this quest to know Christ more and more and where do we stand in terms of where our mind is what what are we focused on where our citizenship is and may god uh, enable us to examine our own lives as a result so we'll come to chapter 3 and look at verse 7 to 11 here it says what things were gained to me these i have counted loss for christ yet indeed i also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of christ jesus my lord for whom i have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that i may gain christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in christ the righteousness which is from god by faith that i may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means i may attain to the resurrection from the dead you know we sang that song and abhijit if you can put this up for me it's number 342 number 342 uh, i'll keep talking you can put it up but this is the the, the song that says um, you know that we sang early in the morning uh, beginning of the meeting here the uh, knowing you jesus knowing you this is that song pretty much reflects what's in this uh, passage verses 7 through 11 what is the purpose of our righteousness what is the purpose of our salvation what is the purpose for which god has saved us it is to know him it is to know him more to know him deeply to know him more intimately and the apostle paul tells us here what that is and if we look at the verses of the song you know go to the uh, uh, the chorus says knowing you jesus knowing you there is no greater thing is that really true is there is that the the object of our life is that what we really crave for there is no greater thing there's nothing greater in my life than to grow in the depth of my relationship with the lord this the second verse there says now my heart's desire is to know you more to be found in you and known as yours to possess by faith what i could not earn remember the righteousness you have was given to you by faith not we did not earn it and then the last verse in particular oh to know the power of your risen life right so here if you come back to the passage here uh, he talks about the uh, verse 10 that i may know him and the power of his resurrection do we understand the power of the resurrection that god raised up his son who was dead you know all the power of the godhead came there to raise him up from that that is the power that we have to know you to know the power of your risen life we have that power and when we have that intimate relationship with 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 the lord jesus christ we can experience that power to deal with the challenges and the problems we have in life and then he says uh, and to know you in your suffering verse 10 that i may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death to become like you in your death my lord so that with you so with you to live and never die if by any means i may attain to the resurrection from the dead and when paul says that i may attain to the resurrection from the dead he is not saying it as if there is some doubt that this is going to happen rather when he talks about attaining he's talking about arriving it's like a runner who is running you know towards that finish line he attains the finish line he attains that 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 rope that he that he that he goes across uh we will get there uh but but he's looking forward to that day that hope that we have so with you to live 
and never die. That is the hope we have, but what it means is we need to become like Him in His death. We need to know Him in His suffering. We need to go through that suffering for His sake in our life and that perfects us, that uh, increases the intimacy of our relationship with Him. That is the purpose. That is how we get to know Christ. And you know, um, to know Christ is not uh, about doing things. You know, very often we think that you know, our intimacy with the Lord is measured by the things that we do. And I was thinking about this in my own life, um, you know, how easy it is for us to do things. You know, we can get involved in all kinds of things. We have so many activities. We have Bible studies. We have outreach. We have uh, cell groups. We have all of these things, and all of these are wonderful things. But we can be doing all of these things. You know, I, I know I've been, you know, I've been... Uh, ministering from the word since I was 21 years old, you know, more than 30 years now. You know, I could probably get out of my sleep and come and preach to you. Okay? Um, you know, simply because I've done it so many times. And I sort of have an idea what to say. But that doesn't mean that I have that intimate relationship with the Lord. And that's something that each of us needs to measure. You know, the, 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 the things that we are engaged in, the things that we do need to flow out from the intimacy of our relationship with the Lord. And that's something I find that I have to keep asking myself, how is my relationship with the Lord? Yes, I understand the word. Yes, I live uh, a good life. Yes, I follow all of these principles. Yes, I'm doing all of these things. But I can keep doing these as a matter of course because that's what's expected of me, because that's what's, uh, what I'm used to, because that's just what is automatic for me, because I don't know any other way to do it or to live my life. And I can still not have that intimate relationship with the Lord, to know Him, to know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings. My friend, have you been through that suffering in your life? That is the, that is the, it is almost, Paul presents that as a prerequisite to get to know Him, because when we go through that suffering, you know, if we can rejoice in it, knowing that we are suffering just as Christ did, that He suffered for us, that He is that, that high priest who understands our suffering, how well do we know Christ? How well do you and I know Christ? Are you sharing in his suffering? When you go through difficulties in his life, in your life, how are you looking at it? Are you grumbling and complaining and, and, and wishing it away? Or are you looking at it as, you know what? This is God's way of helping me to experience the suffering of Christ. And it is a way for me to draw closer to him and have this more intimate relationship with him. This is the purpose of the Christian life, to know him more. A year from now, I need to know him more than I did a year ago. Ten years from now, I need to know him more. I need to grow, not in doing things, not in my knowledge of scripture. All of those things will come, but in intimacy with him, that I am close with him, that, that I walk with him, that I know his will, that when I pray, my prayers are answered, that I spend that time with him. The redeemed do not look at fleshly glories uh, as something to to be proud of, but put all of that aside for the sake of knowing Christ. The, the unredeemed, on the other hand, they want to look at all of these things. They want to look at their pedigree and their, their prestige and their power and their wealth and all of these things and glory in those things. But we need to glory in this. Let him who glories in this, that he knows me, that he knows me. We need to know Christ. Do you have that zeal to know Christ? Now, I don't know what condition... Each of us is in here today, you know. But if we don't have this desire, then we're not going to grow. If we don't have this desire, we're just going to go ahead and live life in normal way, 
you know, do what others expect us to do. And we are not going to have experience this rich uh, love relationship with the Lord and the impact that it has in our life and the way it helps us to get through the storms of life. The redeemed count fleshly glories as loss for Christ and seek to know Christ and develop greater intimacy with him. That's what we see in verses 7 through 11. And then moving on to the next point, verse 12 onwards, let's read that. Not that I have already attained or I am, I am, I am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold uh, of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. The redeemed press on. You know, the first part, verse 7 to 11, is about the desire. It is about the desire to know Christ. It is about the, the having that goal. And this part, verses 12 through 16, is about pressing on in that goal. Because it is so easy to give up. The Christian life has to be about pressing on in the quest to know Christ. It's like that runner that's going around the track and he's, he's you know, there'll be times, uh, you know, when you're running a marathon where you want to give up and you want to just stop because your legs are giving way under you because you can't breathe properly. But you've got to press on. There are times and circumstances that will come in our life that will pull us away from focusing on building our intimacy with the Lord and spending time with Him. I find so, uh, so much in my life that, that the first thing that gets impacted is my prayer life. And I can spend time reading the Word of God, but, but just spending that time in prayer can sometimes be so difficult. You know, but we have to press on. Christ, He says here, that I, I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Christ has laid hold of us for what purpose? So that we might be conformed to His image. So that we might become more and more like Him. Are we pressing on to this goal? You know, we never get there. He says that uh, I do not, brethren, verse 13, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I, I do not assume that I have reached, I have arrived. I have reached the destination that I am done. You are never done in this quest. You can always be more intimate uh, in your relationship with Christ. And then he goes on to say, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Forgetting those things which are behind. You know, forget all the things that, that were in my past life. For Paul, it was all the things he did about persecuting the church and, and glorying in all of his his privileges and his, his uh, education, all of these kind of things, and he presses on forward. You know, when we focus on the past, sometimes that holds us back, doesn't it? You know, we might have all gone through circumstances in our past. We might have uh, done all kinds of sin. We might have uh, gone away from the Lord. We might have failed in our walk with Him. But what does he say? He says, forget those things which are behind. Stop focusing. Look to the future. Keep pressing on. Keep running the race. When God, and then he says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Remember, our goal is that upward call. That we will be, when we will be in his presence, then we will finally attain 
the price. We will finally attain, we will finally reach because, you know, uh, the word of God says that when we see him, we shall be like him, right? So let's um, look at 1 John chapter 3. It says, uh, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. Epistle of 1 John 3 and verse, um, verse 2. It says, Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. You know, we will ultimately be like Christ. That is when, that is when the upward call happens, when we go into his very presence. Um, uh, and when we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And what does he say? Everyone, this is a hope, right? This is a hope that is, should be driving us. We should have this eternal perspective in terms of how we live our life. And it says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he or God is pure. What do we have to do? If we have, if we have to make progress, we have to continue this walk. We have to not slack off. You know, and, and it all comes down to this eternal perspective. You know, that's why Paul is always, he says, I press toward the goal for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Or looking forward to when we shall see him. You know, it's very difficult for us as human beings because we exist in the here and now. You know, we want to see the results now. We only think in terms of this life and what we accomplish in this life, about what we have to do, whether it's making our life comfortable or making the life of our children comfortable or being, um, you know, accomplishing things on the earth. We rarely do we have that, that, are we able to put that aside and have that eternal perspective to, to really internalize the fact that we are living for the future. We are not living for the present. We are living for eternity. We are not living for time. A lot of the things that we go through, you know, it links back to the suffering. The suffering that we go through. As a Christian, sometimes it seems that, you know, we don't have fun. We don't, we don't, we're not able to do this. We're not able to do that. We suffer despite living a good life, so to speak. But the reason why we think like that is because we don't have that eternal perspective. That in eternity, these things are of great value. This is how you lay up treasures in heaven. You know, when you don't spend uh, on yourself and you give to the work of the Lord, when you spend time, instead of doing all kinds of worldly things that you could be doing to spend your time, you spend your time growing in intimacy with the Lord. The reward for all of this is there. It's guaranteed. It is a sure hope. And it is there in eternity, not in this life. If we have to make progress, uh, if we have, and, it's, and he, he says here, let as many as are mature, verse 15, Philippians 3, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Let us, as many of us as are mature, he says, even if you have attained a level of maturity, even if you have attained a level of maturity, do not be satisfied with that. Keep pressing on, because you can always move ahead. You can always be more intimate with the Lord. You can always be closer uh, to the Lord. Are we pressing towards this price? To press on, it requires training. It requires endurance. It requires having that commitment just like an athlete who has to train. You know, I was watching a, a documentary about, um, uh, about uh, um, uh, the, the runner from the West Indian, the guy, what's his name? Uh, uh, Usain Bolt. Okay, and, and the, the whole documentary was about the training that he went through. And, and, and it, is quite, it was quite eye-opening. You know, he, he, they would tie him up with, uh, uh, with a belt that was tied to tires and make him run, you know, uh, bearing all that weight. Uh, so that, you know, when he ran without them, he would run much faster, you know. 
training yourself and the years and years of training and you know before he ran for an olympics the training program would start some 3 years before a specific training program what he ate and what he drank and and how much time he spent and the hours every day and the specific things he did and the races that he chose and and how he ran each one to build up a certain aspect of his uh, of his um, you know ability to run and 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 they build up towards that final race in the olympics and the amount of time and the effort that goes into winning that prize you know what is paul talking about here he's saying i press toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling you know we too are training for the prize we too are are are, are to live our lives as if we are we are we are going to that olympics the eternal olympics you know where we are going to stand before the lord and he's going to say to us my good and faithful servant enter into my rest how are we doing do we take it that seriously do we take it as half as seriously as some of these athletes do training for the olympics you know our goal is no less important that is for an earthly prize that is for earthly glory that is for endorsements and money and and a comfortable life this is for all of eternity i press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of god in christ jesus so so we've seen here the the redeemed a uh, life counts fleshly glories as loss for Christ and seek to know Christ secondly the redeemed press on to the goal press on in achieving the goal of knowing Christ and do not give up where are you in your pressing on where are you are you pressing on or are you slacking off let's ask ourselves that question and let's commit ourselves to press on to grow in our intimacy with the lord and then the final point we find in verses 17 through chapter uh, to through the end of the chapter 3 there and that is that the redeemed live as citizens of heaven and not of the earth let's read that verse 17 brethren join in following my example and note those who walk as you have us for a pattern for many walk of whom i have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of christ whose end is destruction whose god is their belly and whose glory is their shame who set their mind on earthly things for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the savior the lord jesus christ who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself brethren join in following my example the redeemed live as citizens of heaven not as citizens of earth so paul presents here two walks one is his own walk he says that you uh, join in following my example he holds himself up as an example and this is an exam exemplary walk in verse 20 it says for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the savior so this is the exemplary walk the walk of paul uh, it is a, it is a walk of the citizen of the kingdom and we'll come back and look at that what that means in a in a minute here but then there is also the walk of the unredeemed and he says he summarizes this walk uh, in uh, in the la- last part of verse uh, 90 he says who set their mind on earthly things so this is a walk where the mind that drives the walk is set on earthly things the focus is on earthly things earthly accomplishments earthly goals earthly objectives right and he talks about these people he say he compares them to the enemies of the cross of christ okay not so he says these are not followers of christ now he's writing to believers but he's using the example here 
of the enemies of Christ, right? Those who do not even know Christ. And I believe the way to look at this is he's telling them, look, some of you are walking just like the enemies of Christ do. Some of you have the same attitude in your, in your mind that the enemies of Christ do. Their mind is set on earthly things, so is your mind set on earthly things. You do not have a heavenly goal. You do not understand your heavenly citizenship. That is the walk of the unredeemed. And he's saying, do away with that. That is not the way that we ought to walk. So what is the walk of the heavenly citizen? Verse 18, it says, uh, uh, sorry, in verse 19, uh, so we can look at it, you know, look at the negatives here and apply it as a positive. So the, 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 uh, uh, the unheavenly walk is one where the mind is set on earthly things. So the walk of the heavenly citizen is one where our mind is focused on eternal things. Our mind is focused on, uh, is not earthly mind, we are not earthly minded, but we are heavenly minded. Secondly, it says that there, um, uh, verse uh, 19, whose end is destruction. Okay, the ultimate outcome of the earth, heavenly walk is eternal life rather than destruction. So our life is to have that eternal focus. The, the life uh, that, is, that is based on an earthly minded walk, the walk that is earthly minded, it ends in destruction, but not so the life of the citizen of heaven. And then uh, moving on in verse 19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame. Their God is their belly. And I wondered what he was talking about here, but the best way that I can, I can uh, sort of apply this is to say that, you know, the belly is, of course, reflects the, you know, hunger, right? We, we, we fill our belly to satisfy our hunger. So that is talking about temporal needs. It's talking about instant gratification of our temporal needs. It's talking about being focused on earthly things, meeting our earthly cravings, meeting our physical cravings as opposed to uh, meeting our spiritual needs and focusing on the spiritual. So the focus of the heavenly walk is not on fleshly things. Our God is not our belly. It's not on material things. It's not on the creature comforts of the world, but rather it is on the things of God. And then it says, whose glory, uh, whose glory is in their shame. Their glory in shameful things. Their standards are different. They seek the things that, that the word of God says are wrong. They consider to be okay. We do not glory in shameful things. We do not glory in sinful things. We keep ourselves pure. We do not engage in the kind of uh, shameful things that people do, whether it's in relationships with each other, whether it's in the way that, that we conduct ourselves, the way we talk, the way we, we interact with others, the way we have relationships uh, between men and women, uh, the way we live our marriages. We do not do the shameful things, but rather... We do the spiritual things. Our glory is not in... We do not take glory in these kind of shameful, worldly things. And then, finally, the, the walk of the heavenly citizen is one who eagerly waits for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our hope, our glorious hope, that the Lord is going to return, and then everything is going to become clear. Then we're going to be rewarded for the life that we live, for the zeal that we have had for Him, for the intimacy of our relationship, for, for the pressing uh, toward that goal that we do, for the sacrifices that we make, for the suffering that we go through. When we see Him, we shall be like Him. The ultimate reward of the heavenly citizen is to look forward with that hope. If that hope is real, it says you will purify yourself. We will purify yourself. We will not engage in these kind of sinful, shameful things. We will not glory in them. We will not even engage in them. We will not even go near them. And you know, this thing about citizenship is, is, is very, very important. You know, can, can people really tell 
that we are citizens of heaven. You know, I, uh, as you know, I travel a lot, and, and every time I come back into India, uh, there is a form that you're supposed to fill out. Okay, it's a form that has your name and passport number and all these. And, and only non-Indians have to do that. And the, uh, you know, the flight attendant is supposed to go around and give this to you, and inevitably they never give it to me. Um, and when I go and ask them, I said, can I have the form? He goes, no, sir, you, Indian citizens don't need it. So they think I'm an Indian citizen because I look Indian and I'm brown-skinned and dark hair and all of these kind of things. So I look like every other Indian person on there, right? Um, so there's nothing about me on the outward that seems to, until I show them my passport, that says I am not an Indian citizen. You know, very often, uh, you know, our, our citizenship is like that, isn't it? You know, when people look at our lives... Can they really tell that we are different? Can they tell that we are different by the things that we do and the things that we don't do? Can they tell we are different by the way we approach things in our workplace and the way we don't approach things? Our citizenship is in heaven. And very often we don't even know. We act like we don't know a citizen. I I was at the US consulate this last week in, in Chennai. I took the kids, three of the kids to get their passports renewed and and um, I overheard an interesting conversation of another guy who was speaking very loudly to the officer. And uh, this is like the most uh, interesting scenario. I'd never heard of this before. But um, what I gathered, piecing together all his loud conversation with the officer there, was that this guy was born as a kid. He was born in the United States. I guess his parents were there or something. And he was born there. And soon after he was a few months old, they left. Okay, they left and came back to India. And he's lived in India all his life. And he's had an Indian passport and he's considered himself an Indian and continued living like an Indian. Um, but what he didn't realize and what has come to light now is that apparently if you are born in the U.S., you are always a U.S. citizen. And he never took a U.S. passport. And according to the Indian government, you cannot have dual citizenship. So he's been living illegally in India all these years with an Indian passport uh, because he's technically an American citizen. And even though he, and he's telling the guy, I never took a U.S. passport, and the guy says, yeah, but you're still a U.S. citizen because you were born there, you know, by, by, by birth, and until, you, until he goes through a process to renounce that citizenship, of the, so he's come at the, I don't know, he looked about maybe in his 40s. For the first time in his life, he's applying for a U.S. passport because the Indians don't want him, and the only citizenship he can have is of the of the, of the U.S. And so he was going through all the pain that he was going through and now he's got to go through a whole process because technically he's been living illegally in India for the last 40 years without a visa and all these kind of things, you know. But it just reminded me in the context of this message, you know. Uh, this guy has been living all his life. He didn't even know that he was an American citizen until this came up, you know. How many of us live like as if we have no clue that we are citizens of the kingdom? You know, we live just like the world does. We do all the things, we have the same aspirations for ourselves, whether you're a student or parent or whatever, the same goals, you know, we want to accumulate things, we want to follow things, we we live according to the principles of the world and not according to the principles of the world. Not even realizing that, that, hey, we are citizens, you know, we became citizens of the kingdom when we trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And praise God, He's not going to turn us away. But don't we owe it to Him to live as His citizens? Can people tell that we are citizens of heaven by our walk? 
often it's tough to tell the difference. You know, very often people see that. You know, I was talking to Ben recently about, you know, Ben decided to leave his job, you know, and go full time into being a citizen of the kingdom and, and the impact that had on his people, they were, they were uh, the people that he worked for. They didn't, they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. What is wrong with you? And, and they started telling him things like, oh, you want more time at home? That's okay. You just work from 8 to 12 and then go home. But stay. Don't, don't, don't leave. You know, do we do the kind of thing? Do we show unnatural kindness to others who don't deserve it? Do we stay away from impurity? Do we maintain that testimony? Do we do anything in our lives that show that we are, our citizenship is in heaven? The Apostle Paul closes out chapter 4 verse 1. He says, Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Stand fast in the Lord. Don't get knocked off your feet. You know how often we get knocked off our feet? We don't even realize it. Stand fast as a redeemed of the Lord. Stop glorying in the flesh. Stop glorying in, in our worldly accomplishments. Stop measuring our life by worldly standards, the, the achievements of our life, the value of our life. Strive to know Christ more. Become more intimate in our relationship with Him. Keep pressing on. Keep pressing on toward a more intimate relationship with Christ. Do not give up. Keep moving towards that price, the ultimate price of the upward call of the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, have your mind on heavenly things. Live as a citizen of the kingdom. May God enable us to think about these things and may we, may we examine ourselves. You know, what are we doing with our lives? What are the goals of our life? Are we living as citizens of the kingdom? Would people look at us and say that we are different? Are we, or are we just carrying on just like you know, everybody else around us and there's really no difference between us and the people of the world. May God enable us to examine our own life in the light of these words. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for your goodness and mercies. Thank you, Father, for the word. Thank you, Father, for saving us. Lord, we know that we have much to confess, Lord. All of us, Lord, myself included, Lord, we fall short in, our, in the intimacy of our relation. Our intimacy of our relationship with our Savior goes up and down, Lord, fluctuates from season to season, from experience to experience, circumstance to circumstance. Help us to press on, Father. Help us to uh, look at our goals, Lord, the goals that we have the, and how they manifest themselves in our day-to-day -day lives, in our, in our student life, in our job lives, in our marriages, in the way we handle our money, in the things that we accumulate, Lord, in the goals that we have and the desires we have and the way we treat other people in the in the way we reach out, Lord, to the needy, we pray, Lord, that, that in all of these things, Lord, that the, our citizenship in heaven will just come through loud and clear. Pray that we would keep ourselves pure, that just as he who has this hope of the return of Christ purifies himself, Lord, I pray for everyone here, Lord, that we would examine our lives and purify our lives of all impurities, of all sin, Lord, that, that so easily beset, the sin that entangles us, that, that stops us from running, that stops us from pressing on, and making progress. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, Lord, and guide us uh, to, to make these uh, things real uh, and applicable uh, in our lives, Father. We ask these things in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Thank you, Joachim. Morning, CBF. Morning. Welcome, everyone, in the name of our Lord and Savior.